0: We have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., for some reason, has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with, anything he believed in. One of the biggest, biggest in the United States Congress. He had the audacity to send out
1: I'm your host and the producer, Sharon Eaton Hinton. We're live right now, um, and you know we always rock with the baddest people here in Boston. But these two kings are the baddest people, I would say, across the country because of what they're doing. Mr. Garrick Thames and Mr. John Lucky O'Neill is going to bless us tonight and talking about one of the most important things the black family is the black man and the black father. Now you know how I do, you get some pens out, get some papers out so you can write some notes or put it in your phone, whatever you put something down because we're gonna talk about an event March 1st which is why it was so important to bring this happening here. Yes, it's February, it's Black History Month but for those of us who are black like all year, (laughs) it's what it is so stay with us Get your paper and your pad or whatever you take notes down on because we're giving you information to build up this nation. Stay with us.
2: Years ago, I interviewed and Infume, then the president of the NAACP. As between the presence of white racism and the absence of black fathers, I asked him, which poses the bigger threat to the black community? Without missing a beat, he said, the absence of black fathers. It was President Barack Obama who said we all know these statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after controlling for varying levels of household income, kids in father absent homes are more likely to end up in jail and kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. In 1960, 5% of America's children entered the world without a mother and father married to each other. By 1980, it was 18%. By 2000, it had risen to 33%, and 15 years later, the number reached 41%. For blacks, even during slavery when marriage for slaves was illegal, black children were more likely than today to be raised by both their mother and father. Economist Walter Williams has written that, according to census data from 1890 to 1940, a black child was more likely to grow up with married parents than a white child. For blacks, out-of-wedlock births have gone from 25% in 1965 to 73% in 2015. For whites, from less than 5%, to over 25%, and for Hispanics, out-of-wedlock births have risen to 53%. What happened to fathers? The answer is found in a basic law of economics. If you subsidize undesirable behavior, you will get more undesirable behavior. In 1949, the nation's poverty rate was 34%. By 1965, it was cut in half to 17%, all before President Lyndon Johnson's so-called War on Poverty. But after that war began in 1965, poverty began to flatline. From 1965 until now, the government has spent over $20 trillion to fight poverty. The poverty rate has remained unchanged, but the relationship between poor men and women has changed dramatically. That's because our generous welfare system allows women, in effect, to marry the government. And this makes it all too easy for men to abandon their traditional moral and financial responsibilities. Psychologists call such dependency learned helplessness. How do we know that the welfare state creates disincentives that hurt the very people we're trying to help? They tell us. In 1985, the Los Angeles Times asked both the poor and the non-poor whether poor women often have children to get additional benefits. Most of the non-poor respondents said no. However, 64% of poor respondents said yes. Now, who do you think is in a better position to know? Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, once said, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline, I'd have more confidence. He admitted he began running with gangs because he wanted the things a father gives to a child, especially to a boy, structure, and protection. Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can, Shakur said. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. In my book, Dear Father, Dear Son, I write about my rough, tough World War II Marine Staff Sergeant dad. Born in the Jim Crow south of Athens, Georgia, he was 14 at the start of the Great Depression. Growing up, I watched my father work two full-time jobs as a janitor. He also cooked for a rich family on the weekends and somehow managed to go to night school to get his GED. When I was 10, my father opened a small restaurant that he ran until he retired in his mid-80s. He was never angry or bitter and insisted that today's America was very different from the world of racial segregation and limited opportunity in which he grew up. Hard work wins, he told me and my brothers. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before blaming other people, go to the nearest mirror and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? This advice shaped my life. Fathers matter. Until we have a government policy that makes that its first priority, nothing will change. I'm Larry Elder for Prager University.
1: Welcome back. So that was a lot of information. And if you weren't paying attention or you went out to the bathroom or whatever, this show is going to get run again. But I want you to get the full effect of what's happening right now because it's been happening for a while. And my two guests welcome John Lucky. Should I call you John or Lucky?
3: You call me John. Call you John. This is a professional setting here. (laughs) My family and friends call me Lucky. But I'm John O'Neill, director of the Nurturing Fathers program.
1: And Derek Thames, Thank you've got a couple of hats on. Yes,
4: yes, yes. <laughs> so
1: yes. tell us about all your hats.
4: Um, I'm here with the um, Family Nurturing Center. I'm one of the ambassador speakers. Um, I go into DCF offices and share my experience, hoping they get a good idea of a different way of treating fathers. Mm. And then I have Lives Are Meant to be Changed. It's a um, sole proprietorship right now waiting on our 501c3 papers where I go into prisons, I take men to the Office of Returning Citizens, I introduce men to the nurturing family, help them with housing, jobs, so we won't have excuses of not being fathers or not being present in our, in our children's lives. Thank you
1: for being here for yeah. me, with me this evening and with our guests. Um, One of the clips that people may see later on, and it depends on how the conversation goes, because I know you all have a wealth of information, and I was just telling John before we even went in the air, you and I have been talking over the phone for a while. And um, And you just recently got an award or something, right?
4: A citation through Union Capital Boston, yes.
1: See, I'm paying attention to you. Wow.
4: I, 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 got my I eye- never even mentioned that.
1: <laughs> I got my eyes on
4: you.
3: That, that's yeah. a research, bro.
1: Yeah. So the Family Nurturing Center of Massachusetts is a nonprofit organization which offers programs and services that promote healthy relationships and positive parenting. Uh, the Family Nurturing Center provides support resources and education for families to foster nurturing environments for children. What is a nurturing environment?
3: A nurturing environment is an environment where children are loved, taken care of, um, guided, supported. Uh, A nurturing father is the man who provides guidance, love, and support to enhance the growth and development of the children for whom he cares.
1: Now, the contrary to popular opinion, black men, you hear me? I'm saying this. Black fathers are actually more engaged with their children, whether they're with the, the mother or not, than any other ethnicity or race. Can I say that to you for the people in the back in the cheap seats?
2: Black <laughs> fathers,
1: and this is statistically true. Yes, it is, yes. Com- compared to what you see in the media or what is being perpetrated out there, you guys are actually um, more nurturing, loving, supportive, caring, financially, emotionally, in, in terms of uh, hands on kinds of caring, um, whether you are. With a mother or not. And that that's, has its own problems and situations. But when a mother or a father, because we're talking about fathers tonight, are removed from the family, from incarceration, that's another step. Yes. That's another animal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me about that, what, what that really does to tear up the man, the father. Because we, I mean, I have old school men in my family, right? Tough alpha males you know (laughs) that's just a flesh wound that don't really hurt me but um, my also my experience because i grew up around men is that you guys feel very deeply and so the assumption can't be that when your kids are near you you don't feel it it can't be that i mean this is you know like the bible bone of my bone flesh of my flesh it can it be that i mean you guys really that hardcore? I mean, what happens when you get taken away from your family and you get taken away from your kids, either through the courts or through incarceration or through alienation? Because that happens, too.
4: Absolutely. Um, I know my, my daughter, she's 33. And when I'm doing interviews, I usually bring her with me because um, she have taught me something. My last bit, I was um, away for 10 years. Wow. And, um, and I was never there for her. I didn't know how to be. I didn't even know what her father was. I know a father's responsibility, but I knew when I was away from her all that time, it's like everything is going through me. When she cried, I cried. When she was going through something, I was, going, I, I was feeling everything, and I, I couldn't explain it. It wasn't until when I came home mm. to a woman now, and here I am saying, I want to take you for ice cream, and she was like, nah. We missed those stages. Mm. But she left a little door open for me, and she allowed me to be a grandfather. Mm. And every day I would go over there to see my granddaughters and play Barbies with them. And, you know, one day she just joined us. And today we have our days where we go get our ice cream. Mm. And she seen the way I was parenting. I'm a single father of twins. I had them since they was eight. Boys or girls twins? Boys. Mm. 18 months, they're 11, year, mm. 11 years old right now. Mm-hmm. One of them's a honor roll, high honor roll student. Mm-hmm. And it's because I put the... This man changed my life. Mm. This man changed my life. He taught me what nurturing was. Mm. I don't tell my sons not to cry or, you know, they're total... Op- one wants to cuddle, one wants to watch a movie. You know, and so just... Just spending that time and watching them grow and develop and learning about ages and stages. I wanted to be one of those fathers where I could take my um, sons to the hospital and have a, have a pre-assessment um, already of what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be to say, oh, here doctor, you know. No, this is what's going on with him. So I had to educate myself.
1: So, but John mentored you. So John, how do you do that? When you have men that say, "I didn't know what it meant to be a father," where did you get your um, training, your exposure, your mentoring for being mm. a father? Because well, you look a little bit older than him, but with black I'm a, people, I'm a whole you lot never <laughs> know. You never know.
4: I'm a whole lot older than Blacks him. Black don't crack. You never know. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> I got I got grandkids
3: older than him. <laughs> um, I'm only kidding about that part. Um, you know, I um, let me just say, say this first, right? Because this is when I listen to Larry Elder. You know, and that's. Um, that's a trope that's been thrown around um, for centuries about black men. You know, the, the popular notion is that we, um, we make babies, but we don't stare around and raise them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you have to understand where that comes from, right? When we were slaves on the plantation, we had no control over our families. Your wife, your daughter, your son could be sold away at any, you know, in a moment. Mm-hmm. The massacre come down to your hut and take your wife up to the big house and rape and her. And have kids, that's and have right. have kids, do whatever you wanted to her. You had no power, Whether right? you were married to them or not. Exactly, right? So black men have, have, have struggled for centuries now to, um, to be the best father that they can possibly be under the circumstances that we live in this country, under the oppression and the racism that we live with. Say, I've been doing this work for a very long time. And the vast majority of men that I've worked with, I work with black men, I work with, with white men, Hispanics, uh, Arabs. I work with all kind of men, Japanese. Most men, especially black men, want to be good fathers, mm. they really do. Sometimes they just don't know how. They themselves may have come from a, a difficult situation. They may not have had that mm-hmm. father in the household and that positive role model. So what we do at the Family Nurturing Center, the Nurturing Fathers Program, we, um, we teach nurturing philosophy. It was a gentleman named uh, Dr. Stephen Bavalec, and he he passed away uh, about six months ago. He was really a a, a good man. Uh, And he, as a graduate student about 50 years ago, uh, in working with um, families, he observed that families who were involved with child protection services um, were usually deficient in certain areas of parenting. (coughs) And he identified those areas, Mm -hmm. and he uh, named them constructs. And um, nurturing philosophy is designed to prevent child abuse and neglect. By whom, by, by anybody? By Dr. But well, anyone can be taught to nurture, right? There's this popular notion, right, belief that if you're a mother um, and you've had children, you automatically know how to nurture.
1: <coughs> That's not true.
3: Fathers, though, you know, <coughs> we're so inept and inexperienced and, 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 you know, and, and, and that we need to be taught how to nurture. That is way far from the truth.
1: But don't you know, see, here's the thing. I'm going to push back a little bit.
3: Okay. Because
1: I hear that. I, I didn't, my father wasn't around. I never knew how to be a father. But by your father not being around and seeing other males, don't you know how not to be a father from the bad examples too?
3: Not necessarily, right? You know what You know what happens, Sharon, right, is um, we tend to parent the same way we ourselves are parented. Our parents were our first teachers. So whether we learn by omission and we learn by commission.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So if your father wasn't there in a the household or he wasn't in your life, you learn from that. Right. And what we know, especially with males, but females as well. Um, when the father is not around, we suffer and we become angry, you know. And like an elder did say some, some, mm-hmm. some things that were true. We're five times more likely to to commit suicide, to use drugs, to drop mm-hmm. out of high school as children, to have a, a child out of wedlock. Um, there are some dire things that happen to children who don't have a father in their life. Mm. The father does not necessarily have to live in a household. because mm-hmm. we understand in America, 55% of our marriages end in divorce within the first seven years.
1: It's, it's higher for black people. However, It, it
3: is higher, exactly. However,
1: right after slavery, the thing that we did is we went looking for our families, and all the way up until the 70s, most black people, most black kids had both of their parents until, you know, until you had uh, um, the housing policies, because I don't think they did that to anybody else. You can get housing, but you can't have your man there. I well, don't remember them it, doing it to it's anybody called, else. Well,
3: it, it happened to poor people. It's called the man in the house rule. And it actually started during Recon- before Reconstruction, it actually started after slavery. And that's where the migration took place, folks from, say, Miss, Miss, Mississippi or Louisiana would migrate straight up north to, to Chicago, to Detroit, to New York, to, to, to Boston, for instance, uh, looking for better opportunities. And it's sad that um, these policies were put in place that if there was a man in your household, the family couldn't receive services. That's right. And it was one of the tools that they used to, 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 to break up black families. So what would happen is oftentimes, many times, is the father would realize, well, if I leave, then my family can be taken care of. Right he would leave, right? And he might go north or wherever he went. Uh, he might save some money and then bring his family up later. But he did leave for a time. He left his children and, and, and the woman, the mother of his children, down south or wherever they were from to till the land and do whatever they did. Um, there, we are the only, um, only community that, in my opinion and estimation, have been under siege since we've been in this land.
1: That's not your opinion, that's history.
3: Well, some people don't believe I mean, believe you can that. have
1: an opinion, but then... You know,
3: some folks don't believe that. That's, well, that, that's, that's like on my them, opinion, right? I, I'm a but, teacher, I know. <laughs> there you go. But we've been under siege the whole time. The amazing thing about us as the people, and us as, as, as black males and fathers, is that we fought through all, we struggled through all of that, mm-hmm. all the oppression, right? I don't think our story has been told properly. The rise of black folks in America is probably the most meteoric rise of any people in the history of the world. We came from slavery. Look where we are now. We came
1: through slavery. We came but but through from slavery. Africa. Well, you know, I'm just this Black history if I got to. agree,
3: right? We, <laughs> but we have faced so, so many um, struggles, in, you know, in, in our history here in America, and we've overcome every single and
1: one. And when, when we couldn't own patents, we're still inventing.
3: That's right. That's right. The, shoes, right. the shoes that we wear, that shoe last was created by a black man. That's right. Right. We drive every day on the roads, and the streetlights were created by a black man. The mailbox. The mailbox.
1: Iron The board. gas
3: mask. Hold it. 3D, the, uh, the, 3D the, cameras, 3D motion pictures. Blood plasma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, and we, he we,
1: died we, because he couldn't get it.
3: Couldn't get it. That's right. Dr. Richard Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew, that's right. Died outside of a hospital because they, they wouldn't admit him because he was a black man. And he invented blood plasma, right? So I'd like to say this here, right, and one thing that kind of, one of my pet peeves is when they talk about black men not being there for their children, that's an outright lie. Mm -hmm. And they're using the wrong metric, and it's probably true that seven out of ten black children in America are born to a single mother, right? But that does not mean that the father is not involved in their lives. So they use marriage as the metric, so fathers aren't around. My, My father was in my household. My grandfather's in the household.
1: His grandfather's father in the household. There's a, a great uh, so document. You're old school, though, right? You're old school. And so what, what you just said actually went along with what the statistics say, the actual statistics say that most black people, black children, were raised up until the 70s, until the crack Vietnam War and housing policies with both parents. I remember the same thing. Right. And and before and all my grandparents are Southerners and my father was from Philly. So we fought to get back to each other. We fought to stay with each other. But I also remember that. At age two, me visiting my father in prison and asking my mother, how come daddy's not coming home? Mm -hmm. And the effect of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But not the effect of that. So there were, you know, this homicide, suicide drug addictions, all these things that are taking parents, right. um, increasingly right. black mothers away from their kids, right. and the devastation, um, along with all the societal pressures that tear us up and kill us anyway. And so you're so the Family Nurturing Center, and and was it the father, let me get this right, the father, Nurturing the Fathers. The Nurturing
3: Fathers Program, yes.
1: Nurturing, thank you for the hat. The Nurturing <laughs> Fathers Program um, is combating that in, in what ways? Do you have workshops? Do you actually bring them to the doctor so they're taking care of themselves because you're supposed to put the ma- oxygen mask on you first. Well, well here's there- what we do. Here's what
3: we do. Okay. So, uh, I just said, right, that um, nurturing philosophy is, is, is designed to prevent child abuse and neglect, mm-hmm. right, and that we tend to parent the way we were parented ourselves, right? So we have a 13-week nurturing fathers group. 12 weeks the group, and then the 13th week of the graduation. Here's the program that's coming up. So you can talk about that too on March 1st. Okay. So March 1st, we're having the, what we call the Nurturing Fathers Institute. It's an annual um, gathering that we have. And we invite people from all over the state who are running our Nurturing Fathers programs. And it's a way to network with other folks who would, you know, to find out what they're doing in their part of the state, um, to learn best practices. Um, we have workshops, um, uh, we have a keynote speaker this year. It's going to be Hajai Shera, who you might know. as mm-hmm. our keynote speaker. Um, and it's a chance. Uh, uh, Gary could be there, too, I'm, I, I'm sure. Uh, but it's an opportunity for, 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 for practitioners to come and learn how, how, how best to work with fathers and what are the needs of fathers and what are people
1: doing in your part of the state. So, because so, we're, we're, we're about to go to a break. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference... This is like rhetorical, right? I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> okay. Is there a difference between um, black fathers and other fathers?
3: Well, the only, well, th- th- there are a number of differences, I'm sure, right? Which uh, in this moment, I-, I-, I might not be able to delineate each, 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 each factor. But I would say this, and I said it a minute ago, we're the only community that, ha- that has been under siege since we've been here, right? So we face certain pressures that other fathers don't face. Like what? Like... The the the, the 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 prison pipeline, you know, um, we know for a fact, right, that um, black males make up only about six to eight percent of the population. Yet we make up about forty-five to fifty percent of the prison population. You know, um, there's something wrong
4: with that, right? In, dump- In higher
1: sentences for longer periods of time, for lesser. Lesser um, offenses. Can, go can ahead. I
4: just chime in for one second. Yeah. I wanted to go back, right, when, when you talked about the difference between parenting, mm-hmm. right? So, um, me watching m- mothers, right, they have grandmothers, aunts, mm-hmm. um, older cousins, you know, who probably had children before them, and they show them, a, give them a glimpse of what motherhood is like. Um, fathers are not prepared for that. Mm-hmm.
1: But- Right there, and let me te- let me say that that's true finished, but because we're giving baby okay. dolls, and we're giving from the very beginning. It's like right. Right. okay, right this is this is what we expect right you to on. do, right. and this is how you deal with a baby doll. And and, brother, right. and men don't get that. No. Go ahead and so yeah.
4: and so hearing that, going through the nurturing fathers program, and, and, and us, ha- it wasn't just a program. It wasn't just a thirteen week. The men in my group, we developed a bond, mm-hmm. right. So I went through nine different caseworkers, DCF. Mm-hmm. DCF had me go through nine different caseworkers oh, wow. before I even got my boy I just refused to give up, yeah. right? But the difference yeah. between fathers is that once I, I started learning a lot about myself, mm-hmm. the more I wanted my boys, oh. the, more, the more I wanted them. You know, I refused to let them go the route. I refuse to do to them what I did to my daughter. I refuse to make it up, make up an excuse.
1: For not being there.
4: For not being there. Mm. You know, I held myself accountable and I hold myself to a high standard today. You know, um, that nurturing father's 13 weeks brought out so much that I wanted to say. And the man that I wear around my neck... um, when I finally went to South Carolina to meet David Wright, it was the father that I always visualized. In and what I, way? The way he looked, oh, the way man, he talked to you? He, 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 he was on it. He was on it. And, and, and I knew how my daughter felt. Now I knew how my mm. daughter felt as I was parenting my younger ones, mm. right? I knew how she felt like, wow, my father's this great man. To them, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that. Mm. My father, no matter where he went in, man, in South Carolina, hi, David. Hey, Mr. Wright. Thank you for the food. And you saw that. Thank you for cutting my grass. He ran a a, a young men's program down there, you know. And me and him, we got, we was just getting, getting right tight. And um, and COVID, he took him. Right? But so, it was it was always the father that I wanted that I got to see and and I'm like, Wow, my, my they you, exist. You, but
1: yeah. men like that exist. Right.
4: If you meet my sons, you would say, yes ma'am, no ma'am. When I meet
1: your son. You say when? if Yeah, when. <laughs> You're saying, you know, yeah. If. Yeah, I like was this about Garrick,
3: right? I met Garrick when I was doing a group at Whitty Street Health Center. Uh he had he was working there part time, I think, and he found out about the program, and he came to the program. Yes. And he, he shared um, what he was going through with us. And he said that he had, had these twins and he, uh, DCF had, had, had taken them from the mother, put them in placement. And he mm. wanted to, to go to court and, 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 you know, and be in their lives. So I told him what he had to do, you know, go get the swab test done, you know, uh, 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 make sure that you're, you are the father legally, the father, a judge to be. Um, and this man fought for over a year, would not give up. And then he came to the group one day and said, I got custody of my sons, man. He was so, so happy. They're 11 years old now, and I watch this man grow. I watch this man come into the group, um, frustrated at times with how DCF and the courts were treating him, um, but he persevered, and that speaks to how badly, how deeply badly, he wanted to be a father to his children. Mm-hmm. And he's representative of many black men that I've worked with over the years, right? Black men who want to be good fathers, most men do. Some don't know how, and some never had that, you know, they, they just don't know how, to do it themselves. So the first thing we do in our group the very first week, we get the father in touch with how he himself was fathered. Mm. We do an exercise called uh, the visualization of my father and me. Wow. And yes. I asked him, remember the that? The
1: visualization ask, of my father and me? My
3: father and me. And I asked them to close their eyes and we'll walk them through a scenario where they might be with their father as a child. And I asked them, how did he treat you? How did he show love to you? What did he do when he was angry at you? How do you treat your mother? You're afraid of your father. And questions like that. And when I tell you, Sharon, is that in
1: that workbook?
3: Yes, it is. And when I tell you, Sharon, right? The workbook.
1: Right, Y'all gotta get the workbook. When I tell you, Sharon, <laughs>
3: right? I've seen grown men cry, break down. Cry. I, any
1: one of those questions, I can break imagine. Break
3: down. Sometimes, you know, for good things. My dad was a great guy. I miss him so much. But mostly, it's dredging up a lot of pain for a lot of fathers because their dad was not there for them.
1: Hold on. Hold on to that thought now. And you hold on and don't go anywhere. Um, (laughs) If you just tuned in, we're on another level. That's the name of the show. I'm your host, Sharon Eaton Hinton. Um, We're going to take a break. But don't you take a break because it's information (laughs) that we will share with you and we'll be right back.
5: Please welcome Correctional Officer Calvin Williams. Wow, uh, this event is uh, really looking good. You guys, uh, everybody's respecting one another and it's uh, really turning out nice. I, uh, I want to get right to the point here basically is, okay, who am I? Everybody knows my name is uh, Officer C. Williams. I've been called Billy D. I've been called <laughs> Ray Parker. Some people call me the Reverend because I do some singing around here from time to time. But today what I want to talk about is my biggest job. That's being a father. I look at a lot of these young men in here and I see like these pictures, holding the football, got all of that going on. I see that all the time. I see so many people walking around here that show so much potential, but maybe somewhere along the way that guidance wasn't there. So what I'm trying to talk to y'all about today is each and every one of you, be it you're a father or be it that you have the ability to talk to children in whatever way. I just want to point out the fact that me personally, I didn't have my father. When I grew up at the age of six, my family broke up. I came from Detroit, east side of Detroit. Came out here and uh, started a new life. Okay, there was a lot of atrocities that go on. I can go to long story, everybody got theirs. Okay, I'm not trying to go into all of that. But the bottom line was my pops wasn't there. I would see men they looked like my dad. I missed them. I would want to talk. He wasn't available. It's okay, cool. I grew up, very masculine kid. Okay, love girls, hit hard, like to play ball, like to play basketball, everything masculine. But the thing was, was the means of passage was missing. I didn't have one. My means of passage was how hard I could hit. My means of passage was how big was my knot in my pocket? My means of passage was how well could I hold my liquor? My means of passage were all of these negative influences because I was influenced by those who didn't have an influence themselves. Blind leading the blind. A bunch of kids out there trying to survive. So I can't take claim to being so smart and making all of the right decisions. I'm here because God allowed me to be here. I didn't grow up saying I'm gonna be a correctional officer one day. No, I, I had much dreams more grandiose, if you will. Figuring I'm a very talented guy and I could take it anywhere. But God places you exactly where you need to be. I'm very happy to be here. I lost my wife less than two years ago, 23 years. <clears throat> Okay, I got three beautiful children. Not having my dad, man, I got a firm fight to be a father. Didn't realize how difficult it was when mama was gone, until she was gone. Being a provider is a piece of cake compared to being a single parent. Being involved, I look at a lot of you, and I see my son's face when I look at you so it gives me a fierce fight, and I'm asking all of you. I hear some of you on the phone. You know that's my job. I got to listen sometime, <laughs> you know. And I hear some of you talking to your sons, to your daughters. That's the difference. You see, your presence in their lives gives them validation. They ain't got to find it in the streets. Men who have jobs, busting your tail for that dollar and forgetting about the child that's watching you every day. What's most important right now is to pay attention. We as fathers are logically capable of being able to watch our child and say, you know what, I see that habit, I'm gonna curb it right now and get them where they need to be. That's how we do it. And if we do it, if enough of us are trying, you don't have to be way up here, way down there. It's just the fact that you say, I love you, I'm watching you, makes a world of difference, man because it's that guy in the street that say, hey man, I got you, I got you, he ain't really got it. Ain't nobody gonna ever have you like your daddy got you. When you love your child and you understand the pains of life, you will fight. And I ask all of you, men, stand up, be fathers, and this will change tomorrow, I promise you. Thank you.
1: Welcome back. even if you're not a father, so, so let me just say, I've heard on Father's Day, mothers get up and claim to be a father. Oh. Uh, and there was a clip that I'd seen on YouTube where this brother did this spoken word thing. And he said when he was a child, when he was a student, um, and the teacher asked him to spell father, and he said M-O-T-H-E-R. For all of you sisters that are doing it by yourself, for whatever reason, or feel you're doing it by yourself, or you're really doing it by yourself, God bless you, but you are not a father. Fight me, okay?
2: <laughs> um,
1: you're not, you may have to do both of those things because you have to. And maybe you want to. And I'm not gonna get into whole gender thing or anything like that, I'm just saying, That for me, there was a uniqueness about my mother that was different than my father and recognize that. And there is a Mother's Day and you be the mother and the superwoman and all that other stuff. But if there is a father there, let him be the father. And the two fathers I'm recognizing today are John Lucky O'Neill, because, you know, I'm going to stop calling you Lucky because we're friends, right? Exactly. And Gary Thames and Gary we we just family now. Like, you can't get rid of me now. I'm like a straight cat that you feed in the back porch,
4: right? I really want want, want to say something, right, real mm-hmm. quick. Um, I'm glad you said that. Mm. It, it takes a, a, a strong mind and a confident woman within them, in herself to say that out loud. Thank you. Because um, one of my sons while he was away in foster care, <clears throat> before I got custody of him, was with two mothers. Mm. And, and and they dressed him as female. They
1: dressed him as a female?
4: Dressed him as a female, from an infant all the way up, and, and, and treated him as such. And, and it, it was, so when I got him, I had a lot of work to do, a lot of therapy, a lot of being there, a lot of Letting him act out and you you know um uh when when uh, when I first got him, he had dresses they had brought it they just he was uh, he was there that's what he knew he was the, that's what he knew he was their daughter you know and so and i were i had a lot of work and still today, but I'm available mm. And another thing you said that brought up a memory, I remember when I took my 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 sons to a dental office <laughs> right and they used to always ask me, "Do you have a paper that can show that you're the father mm. Mm. It, 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 so I had to carry i had to carry around my custody papers of my sons mm. with me mm. Even to a certain hospital, because mm. the assumption was that they're not yours, right? Can you prove that you're? Do you got any paperwork saying that? I said, and I said to the young lady, um, are mothers asked these questions mm-hmm. sometimes." I said, "Why?" Well, because I never heard black it. mothers. Okay, sometimes. Mm. So, but I was just shocked that for a while I had to carry these papers around. Mm. And your sons were how old? At that time, mm-hmm. they, they had to been around seven. Oh, wow. They weren't baby babies. No, no. <clears throat> C- certain places I had to take my papers.
1: John, what are some of the, see, and we always run out of time, what are some of the specific barriers that you have to deal with when the father has been formally incarcerated? Or do you go, like, do you go behind the walls and actually uh, mentor and work with them, be, you know, while they're there and then when they're and then afterwards and then
3: well Family Nurturing Center um, Has uh, has been working with South County Sheriff's Department for about six seven years now. Mm-hmm. And we've been running groups at uh, uh, South Bay okay. uh, Sheriff Tompkins. Yes, indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. and uh, recently uh, we expanded And now we're running groups at South Bay and at Nashua Street. Oh, wow. And I'll say this here, right? Uh, I'm really proud of that program. We've been doing it for six years now. Now, the national recidivism rate is about 75%, meaning that when that's high, it is very high. When when someone leaves prison, within three years, they're back in prison, 75% of the time. The the rate at at, at South Bay is 46%. -hmm. That when they leave South Bay, almost half of the guys come back within three years. It's still lot, high. Very high. I've been running this program now for six years. In six years, we've graduated over 200 and say about 20 guys. And our rate of recidivism
1: is less than 10%. It's about 8% yes. actually. Right? I wish I had a, an applause track because I would play the applause. Because what it, what
3: it says is in line with the research, and we know this to be true, is that if we can connect a father while he's in prison with his child, mm. more than likely when he gets out of prison, he'll maintain that contact with that child and he'll pay child support. And in that scenario, everybody wins, mm. right? Sheriff Tompkins was um, wise enough and, and, and adventurous enough um, to want to do different type of programming mm-hmm. that he thought might be effective. So he led us into prison and it's been very successful for us. It really has, as I said, we also work with the Office of Returning Citizens. Mm-hmm. Right? So we'll identify a father while he's in prison he might go through the program in the prison the tree father program in the prison and when he gets out he gets out hit the ground and running we we have set up with employment housing and other service needs that he has you know so we try to get the, the father reacclimated to the community uh, but the, the 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 bond there the connection with his with his children and his family mm-hmm. yeah. and i will tell you again sharon most men most black men want to be good fathers they really now, do
1: i rem- I'm just bringing a little bit of my history. Um, I told you the part about seeing my father in prison mm-hmm. and wondering why he wasn't coming home, right? Mm-hmm. And then when he came home, um, I only had five years with him until he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I was a teenager, 13. Mm. But to this day, he was one of the most powerful images That's right. that. That's right. Um, like, he was like God to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my father was the one who was in the nation of Islam, so I was with him mm-hmm. in the nation of Islam. And then, um Islam Alaikum, I'm no longer the nation of Islam, but I got much love for the brothers and sisters because yes, repeatedly they have fiercely gone behind the walls. That's right. And plucked people out. That's right. And cleaned people up, male or female, right? And so... Um, you know, and there's some pastors that, that do it, too. Pastor Franklin Hobbs, there's mm-hmm. some pastors that do it, too. But when I talk to people who have been, and, and it's stuff that unless you've been locked up, you don't think about. Right. So when I ask women <clears throat> in Stacy's program, what are some of the things that you have to, and, and I've had, I wish I could say my father was the only one in my family that went to jail. That's not true. Or prison, that's not true. But one of the things that, that I didn't think about is they had to get used to not wearing slippers in the shower mm. like that's not something we think about because you never right. put slippers in the shower right or had to get acclimated to being able to go to the bathroom by yourself or um standing
4: to, up for count
1: standing up for count or or being regimented in terms of when you could sleep when you could yeah. eat yep. um, also the uh you know the the proximity the crowds i mean when my when my cousin first mm. got out and we walked through Ruggles, he was, like, edgy mm-hmm. when people were too close to him. Yeah. So it was, like, yeah. something that, yeah. and I was like, chill out, chill out. Like, um, but I had to be sensitive to the fact that because he was in there for a while, and you said you were in there the last time at, at 10 years. I'm going to get in your Kool-Aid and the flavor. How, mm-hmm. how much time did you take, and what uh-huh. was it that made you, that that happened so that you ended up going back? Uh-huh.
4: Uh so my first bit I was 18, 18 to 23. Um so adolescent really the formative years of your I life. I spent all I spent all, all my all my teen and 20s in South Bay. Wow. All my 30s to um early 40s in um upstate. Wow. And I am 51. So for good, um, thank you. And so, but you know what made me not want to ever go back? I got introduced to Shirley Medium. And, um, and when I first got landed there, it was at night.
1: Now, what is that?
4: Sh- Shirley Medium mm-hmm. um, is an uh, MCI Shirley.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I came from Old Colony Correctional mm-hmm. Facility, which is a level five.
1: Mm-hmm. and I It's got, maximum.
4: I got sort of. uh, So is it
1: six is maximum? Six is
4: maximum. Well, so I I moved from a level five down to a level four.
2: Mm.
4: And when I went, um, when I woke up in the morning, uh, a couple of days they let me go out to population now. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I thought I was about to tap a caseworker on the shoulder, and when he turned around, I was like, oh, excuse me. And when I went to the child hall. Now I seen so many people, so many men growing breasts. And I was like, this is crazy, man. I From said, the
1: food or something? Or what? No,
4: no. Out of shape or? No, no. Um, so in my head, I'm like, wow, I can't go to school. I can't I can't smoke a cigarette. I can't do none of these. I can't take college courses. But they can grow breasts. Oh so wait a minute. Okay. so <laughs> They so. take hormone shots. So, if you say, oh. if you say I feel like a woman, you can sign up for hormone shots. Really? Right. And, and, uh, at but the you fr- can't take a college course? But I can't take a college. So, mm. I said to myself, I said, the people that got you enslaved is sick. Mate, it's sicker than you. So, Shirley Medium convinced me that I never wanted to go back to prison. I'll say out of a 100, I'll say close to... Close to about 37% of the men are growing breasts.
1: So I'm going to change the subject for a second, only because I wanted to get to this. MCI, they're talking about closing down MCI Concord.
4: They should. Why? Because it's old. It's, um, it's, it's nothing there. It's no programming.
1: And they're talking about changing it into a, um, a shelter or housing for immigrants. Possibly.
4: Wow. Um, I, I, I know one thing, and what kept me going back was um, substance abuse, uh-huh. drinking, um, smoking crack, um, just, just, just loss.
1: And is that what usually happens, John? People get—I mean, I know that the laws. So there's two and a half million people incarcerated. there's more people incarcerated in the United States than any other industrial country. The land of the free, the home of the brave, right? (laughs) And that's because of the harsh, you know, drug laws, right? Three times, three strikes, you're out with, you know, Clinton, that knucklehead. If um, you sell
3: drugs within a thousand feet of a school, that's a mandatory sentence. That's a mandatory school. You cannot be in any city in America and not be within a thousand feet of a school, right? But you can be in a suburban area or a rural area and not be within a thousand feet of a school. So who's that law made for?
1: Well, we already know. Okay. Um, so, okay, let's talk about this event that's happening. We've got about yeah, five please, minutes. Yeah, please, yeah. On March 1st. Yeah. March 1st. And how first. do people, um, www.familynurturing.org. Yeah,
3: www.familynurturing.org. W- 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 yes, ORG, yes.
1: And the number is 617-740-8744. 617 617- And this event, anybody can come to it?
3: Anybody can come to it. We actually have, uh, I think we've registered so far, 70 people, and we're looking for 100.
1: You're looking for, that's all? That's the capacity? Yeah. So it could be male, female, anybody? Male,
3: female. Anybody who wants to learn about fatherhood, anybody who wants to get connected to our programs.
1: And and, and March 1st is, what is it, a Saturday? It's a Friday, actually. It's a Friday. yes. Because, you know, you got to let people know, right? It's a Friday, yes. And it's... um, The, it's eleven to three. Uh, nine to three.
3: I think it's nine to three. Yes.
1: Nine to three. Up oh, there's the flyer. There you go. There you go. For more information. Um, nine
3: to three thirty actually. Nine to
1: three right. yeah. thirty. Okay. So nine to three thirty. 30. And so I'm going to huh? ask each one of you guys for a black hall. father or a father that may be listening. Behind the walls, just came from behind the walls. Keep from staying behind, going behind the walls. Um, one thing from each one of you guys to, to keep, for them to keep in their mind, keeping their spirit, to be the best father that they can be.
4: You don't have to do it alone. Mm. Mm. You don't have mm. to do it alone. Mm. You know, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, you know what, I need one of y'all to help me stand in the gap right now.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah. What um, happens in the group, uh, Sharon, is this. On week one, you might have 15 strangers don't know each other, and um, nobody wants to be the first to open up and talk about intimate details of their life, but one guy will find the courage to do it, oh. and when that happens, other guys say, well, if he can do it, I can do it, and then they begin sharing and exchanging. I've never done a group where certain guys didn't become friends uh, and, and stay friends after the group is done. It's a journey. It's a 13-week journey. And the guy that comes to your group on week one is a much different guy leaving on week 13. That's right. Right? And the first Amen. thing guys say, right, because I get guys that work for DC, you know, from DCF or the course, and they say, I don't want to be here. I'm a good father. I got eight kids by seven different women. Mm-hmm. True story. But what happens is when they see what's happening here, this camaraderie, this bonding among men, among brothers, they buy into it. Uh, and they help each other through the program. They support one another through their issues. Uh, it is a transformational experience, right? I met this man when he was down, when he was troubled, when he was frustrated. And I watched him grow the last 10, 11 years, man. He's a, he's a community activist, right? He reaches back and helps other brothers to get to where he's at now, man. He's an amazing man. Each one reaches one. Each one reaches one. He's an Amen. amazing man. I'm so proud of him. I call him son. He's like my son, seriously. I'm, I'm really proud of him. Thank
1: you. Um, I think there was one other flyer that was an upcoming event that we didn't necessarily get to show. And if we did, then that's there, there it is, the Sankofa Collective. So this is another man, a young man that I know, um, Professor Tony Vandermeer. And there's a lot of things that are happening in Black History Month, a lot of things that um, we're encouraging you guys you people to do. Um, we're wrapping up this program right now. I want to thank you. Garrick, yeah. Gar- you got one more thing to say? Yes. Real quick?
4: Um, um, the 17th, February 17th, at Frugal's Bookstore in Nubian Square, my um, um, Black Poetry Contest. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. And anybody can join us? Anybody can join. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Frugal's Bookstore. Starts at one thirty. in Nubian with Square. With barely
1: any Nubians.
4: That's yeah. a commentary.
1: But I want to <laughs> thank you, King thank, John, thank you, King no, Garrett, thank you, for being here this evening. And I want to thank you for being here this evening, too. Um, stay tuned to um, another program that's coming here on community television. And I also have a radio podcast entitled Black Teachers Matter it's on LP 1029 FM. I'm your host, Sharon Henson. Take care of yourself and each other. we got to do it together. You can't do it Amen. alone. God bless. God bless.
4: God bless. That's right. <laughs> Has
0: have been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with. The march has begun. Every day we rise like the sun. We fight till the battle is won. Can you hear the footsteps? Listen, because we're coming like a gang on the street. So you better start running. It's time for some action now. Historical progression. Generations march in succession. Through 400 years, hate, blood, sweat, and tears, and counting. The resistance is mounting. What Another generation of fighters. When it gets hard, we charge. Don't just get a sense. Pump your fist. Throw your hands in the air just like this. We are the fighters Another generation of fighters.
2: We don't quit, we hit. Don't get it twisted. Black women insist.